Welcome everyone, so good to have all of you with us today, and if it's your first time with us joining us RCC, or the first time you've been with us in a while, we are in week four of our series entitled Share the Experience, and the question that we've been asking, and it's really the question this whole series has been built on, and that is this, does the message of the church matter? Now, this is a question that our entire staff has been asking probably for the last five or six months, because in 2020... Our buildings, like many of other organizations, were closed to in-person meetings for months because of the coronavirus. And though our church was never shut down, what we've experienced is what many other organizations and many other churches have experienced, and that is a drop in participation, and it is still lower than it was prior to the pandemic. But here's the thing. One of the things that we have to really look at through this whole process, or we've had to look at as a, as a, a staff, is this. Is the church still relevant? In other words, can the message of the church still make a difference in your life, in your family's life, in a city, in a community, in a culture, in a nation, and ultimately in the world? And we are convinced that the answer is yes. And here's why. Because the message of the church is, we are stewards of a message of eternal life and a better life. Now, that's what we've been reminded over, in fact, for the last three weeks, is this. We discovered in week one that we are stewards of a message, not only of eternal life, but a better life of love and joy and peace and faithfulness and kindness and self-control in a world that is lacking all of those things and needs it so desperately. And then in week two, we learned that we are stewards of hope in the midst of unexplainable pain and suffering. And that message is so important in the season that there is hope in the midst of unexplainable pain and suffering. So that needs to be shared. And then last week, we also learned that the church has one message that is infinitely different than any other message shared on this planet. And that is the message of grace. And when you look at it from that perspective, the message of the church is a big deal. And as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure to share our experience. But here's what's happened. Over the last 30, 40, 50 years, what has happened is, is many churches have used power to make a point, and they use dollars to demand their way. And what happened out of that, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, is the churches have developed this reputation of being mean, of being hurtful, of being unloving, of being harmful, and even hateful. And what it's done is caused many people in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families to resist or even walk away from the church. So now what has happened as a result of that, many of us, we're kind of scared of offending our family or our friends or our coworkers or just hurting them by talking about what God says. And what happens is, is we never say anything. So today what we want to do is we're going to discover together how to reverse all of this that has kind of been put in place over the last 30, 40, or 50 years, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, and how do we engage a culture that doesn't want to be engaged and doesn't even have a friendly attitude toward the church? Because here's the thing. We need to share our experience of how God has changed our lives and how God has changed our worldview to be people who live like Jesus lived. But here's the thing. We have to do so with wisdom and discernment, which means 
Sometimes we should keep our mouths shut. But then there are moments when what a friend or what a family member or what a co-worker needs to know is God's point of view. Not our point of view, but what is God's point of view. And make sure you understand that our point of view and God's point of view is not always the same. So we need to make sure that we are speaking God's point of view. So we cannot afford not to speak up in those moments. In fact, it's probably the most unloving thing that we can do because if we don't speak up, they may never realize that their beliefs or their choices or the sins that they are participating in are really keeping them from experiencing peace with God or peace with others and even peace with themselves. Now, here's the thing. If you're joining us today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you may disagree with what I've just said entirely up to this point. And you may wonder why Christians feel the need to talk about their views with people. And it's not really our views, but it's what God has to say about life and, and doing life well together. But what we pray that you understand through this conversation is, hey, we're really not trying to be arrogant or holier than thou. It's just that many of us, we've been so changed by Jesus and what he's done in our lives, we think it would be selfish not to share it. So here's where the tension comes from. It's how do we share the experience that we've had? How do we do that in a loving, respectful, non-confrontational kind of way about the issues that sometimes can feel very confrontational and very emotional? Because after all, we are part of this culture at this time in history because God has placed us here intentionally. And we have in front of us this extraordinary opportunity to share the kind of love that Jesus loved us with. And we have this extraordinary opportunity to share with people what we're experiencing God doing in and even through our lives. See, we get the opportunity in this culture to live out his love, his grace, his mercy, and his goodness with, with a world that does not see that kind of love demonstrated anywhere else by anyone else, but we have to be wise about how we approach this opportunity, especially in this season. Now, the good news is this. That's not a new tension. The earlier followers of Jesus, they felt it as well. They lived in a culture where God's point of view was absolutely in the minority. But fortunately for us, people like the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, they often gave advice how to speak the truth in those kind of situations. So today what we're going to do is we're going to read you some advice that the Apostle Paul gave in his book called Colossians. But before we read it, I want you to think about the person or the group of people with whom, like, you, you, they think or they believe different than you do, and, and you would love to be able to speak truth to them. Maybe it's a person or a group of people engaged in some behavior that you kind of consider so sinful that it is emotional to you and it bothers you so deeply because you believe it's just going to lead to a train wreck in their life. And so you want to tell them, hey, here's how you're getting it wrong, and here's what's going to happen if you keep going down this path. Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a mom or dad or a close friend who you love so much that it breaks your heart, but you're not sure how to talk to them without just totally offending them or making them be turned off toward God. Well, here's how the Apostle Paul, here's his advice on how to engage 
all those groups of people. Notice what he says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. In other words, he says, people, those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus, here's how you engage culture. This is what he says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. So the first thing the Apostle Paul says, if you want to earn the right to be heard, if you want the right to engage a culture that does not believe in or behave like Jesus, he says, then you, you have to live your life in such a way that it earns you credibility with those people who may not agree with you or even agree with what you say. In other words, he says, if you want to be heard, you don't start with words. You start with loving behavior. In fact, you might want to write this down. You don't start by saying anything. You start by showing love. So the first step to make the most of our opportunity with any person is not to tell them what you think. It's showing them that you care. And that starts, Apostle Paul says, by showing compassion. Now, here's what compassion is. Compassion is putting yourself in their place. Now, I know that you think what they believe or how they behave is sinful and it's going to lead them down to a path that could cause a train wreck in their life or some really undesirable outcomes. But the Apostle Paul says, before you state your view, before you speak the truth, he says, you need to start by putting yourself in their place and seeing from their point of view. So literally, you need to put yourself in their shoes and feel what they feel. In other words, you need to sit down and you need to listen to their story before you start sharing what you think they need to hear. So let me ask you a question. What if you took the time to understand that person's point of view, how they got to where they are, and why they do and choose to believe what they choose to believe. I'm telling you, it could absolutely change the tone of how you relate to them. In fact, it might change what you think is worth saying and what's not necessary to even say once you fully understand their story. So the Apostle Paul says, be wise in how you act, which means you put yourself in their shoes and you show compassion. But that's not all he says. I want you to notice what else he says we need to clothe ourselves with. He says, therefore, clothe yourselves with compassion. And the next thing he says is kindness. Now, do you know what kindness is? Kindness is loaning your strength to that person with whom you disagree. See, kindness, it is coming alongside them and doing something to help them carry their load. See, kindness it's entering into the life of someone with whom you do disagree and saying to them, what can I do to help? See, we may not agree on some things, and we can even talk about that later, but I care about you more than I care about you agreeing with me. So the big question out of kindness is, what can I do to help? Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. Would the relationship between people who follow Jesus and people who don't be different if we demonstrated compassion and kindness to them. 
Like, do you think we could earn the right to engage culture and be able to have some civil conversations about what God says about things on a different kind of level or different kind of issues than what we've had in the past? See, I really think it could open so many doors if kindness and compassion was the motivation behind our conversation. But the Apostle Paul, he doesn't stop there. He says, so the first thing you do is you clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. And then he says, the third thing is, you need to clothe yourself with humility. Now, here's what that means. Humility is putting the needs of, other, of the other person before my own. So think about this. What if we treated people with whom we disagree with the same humility Jesus modeled for us? Think about that. What if we treated people with whom we disagree with the same humility that Jesus modeled for us? And when you think about the humility that Jesus modeled for us, think about him coming from heaven to earth and then going to the cross for you and me. That is amazing humility. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes about that in Galatians chapter 2. So, so what if we, what if we chose to use that kind of humility and have that kind of humility as we operated in our day-to-day lives with our friends, with our families, with our co- co-workers? See, here's one of the things I believe. One of the main reasons that Christians have lost their right to be heard in this culture is we have been arrogant and not humble. Please understand this. Humility, it always changes the nature of a relationship. Don't miss that. Humility, it always changes the nature of a relationship. And it always changes the tone of a conversation. Think about this. It is so hard to argue with a humble person, isn't it? It is just so hard. I mean, if you you ever tried it, you understand that. It is so frustrating because they won't engage with you. Honestly, it's even hard to dislike a humble person. See, if we practice this one, this thing called humility, the people who believe and behave differently than us, I think they would find themselves liking us even if they didn't want to because here's the thing. All of us, we're drawn to humble people. So the Apostle Paul says, you need to clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility. Literally, every day when you get up and you start your day, you need to put those on just like those attitudes. You've got to put them on just like you do your clothes. But there's more. He says, not only do you need to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, and humility, he says, but you also need to clothe yourself with gentleness. Now, this is a great word, this word gentleness, because gentleness is treating the other person as if they have infinite worth. See, infinite worth means that I value someone as much as God does. And when I value someone as much as God does, it changes the way that I communicate with them. Don't miss that. When I value someone as much as God does, it changes the way I communicate them. See, you will not be harsh with someone that you value. You won't be demeaning to someone that you believe matters infinitely to God. Even if you disagree with them, you'll treat them with gentleness or the gentleness that they deserve if you truly believe they have infinite worth. And then the Apostle Paul says we also need to show or clothe ourselves with patience. Now, do you know what patience is? Patience is moving at the speed of the other person. 
See, patience means I don't demand you change at the pace I want you to change. I'm going to love you as long as it takes. I'm going to love you until either God changes you or I leave this earth, but I'm not going to give up on you because you just don't change as fast as I think you should change. See, that's what patience is. Patience says, I'll be patient with you and all your beliefs and all your behaviors for as long as necessary because this isn't a relationship where I'm trying to convert you. This is a relationship where I'm trying to love you. And my love is not conditioned on whether you ever believe like me or not. That's what patience is. Now, the Apostle Paul, he he lists some other qualities, but you can read those on your own and you can begin to figure out how to apply those along with these other things that we just talked about. But you you get the point of what he's saying. He says, you've got to earn the right to share your experience, to have the conversation. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he says, if you love someone enough to share God's point of view, he says, here's really what you do. You don't start by saying anything. You start by showing love. And listen, if you aren't willing to build a relationship with a person, if you haven't reached a point where you have showed them compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, then you are in no position to say anything. And here's why the Apostle Paul says that. Because what you say will be motivated by pride and arrogance and self-righteousness, not love. But see, When you can love people the way the Apostle Paul describes love, he says, then the opportunity will come at some point to have a conversation. And then he says, and here's how you can have that conversation, and here's how you can speak that truth in that moment, beginning in chapter 4, verse 5. Here's what he says. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So the Apostle Paul says, when you get the opportunity to have that conversation, he says, when that happens, then you need to make sure that you are speaking the truth, but your truth must be full of grace. Now, here's the thing. That, that's not easy to do. See, we've seen people who wanted to focus on grace and, and they wanted to ignore the truth. And the, these are kind of the more passive people in your life that kind of give everybody a pass. And, and their attitude toward life is, well, you're fine. You can do whatever you want. God doesn't care. And it really doesn't matter. We've seen people who were focused on grace alone. And the problem with grace is it doesn't help us to change if it's unhealthy to the far side all by itself. But we've also seen people who are focused on truth and they ignore grace. And these are the people who always want to make a point. They always want to prove that they're right. And their attitude is, hey, you messed up, and I'm here to make sure that you pay. There are consequences for your action, and I'm going to make sure that you get all of those consequences. But guess what happens? If you choose grace or you choose truth, if you choose one or the other to the exclusion of the other, then you actually end up with neither. It's only when you are full of both grace and truth that you have the ability to make a difference in somebody else's life. And that's what Jesus did 
himself. In fact, you could write this down. Jesus never dumbed down the truth or turned down the grace. See, Jesus was full of both grace and truth, both of them at the same time. For example, Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman who had been married five times and was living with her sixth man and said, I know all about you, but you can still be forgiven and I still value you. He looked at the woman caught in the act of adultery and said, neither do I condemn you. I'm extending to you grace. Now leave your life of sin. See, Jesus did not condone the sin or condemn the sinner, and neither should we. And what that does, when you really think about being full of grace and truth, is that creates this incredible tension. Because what that means is you have to present the ideal, God's ideal, while embracing what's real in a person's life. So you have to hold up the ideal way that God created us all to live and say, hey, there is a much better way, and here's how God says it, and this is what God says. But even if you don't get there, that's embracing, this next part is embracing what's real. Say, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to accept you, and I'm going to treat you with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and love because that's what God has done with me. See, there are some things in our lives, if you really stop and think about it, they're not ideal. But God still embraces us with all our messes, and that's what we're to do for others. So here's the question. What do we do with all this that the Apostle Paul said? Because you know people who are engaging in behaviors. You know people who are holding on to beliefs that are in disagreement with God's way of life, with God's worldview. So how do we follow the advice of the Apostle Paul and the example of Jesus? Well, I think there are three different challenges to three different groups of us that we all have to look at. And I'm going to share them with you. The first one is this. If you have spoken truth without love, apologize. See, some of you have treated certain sins as if they're worse than others. So there's like this person or a group of people who you see engaging in behavior that just fires you up. I mean, it creates this emotional response in you that's different from the other sins that you see in people's life. Listen, anytime your response to sin is anything less than a heart broken because of the love that you have for that person, then here's what it means. You've got a pride issue. See, when I see any kind of sin, it should break my heart for that person. That should be the emotion. See, what happens is when we get fired up with this emotional response and, and we're going to nail that sin and we're going to make sure that person understands how bad that sin is, what happens is, is we've ignored the self-righteous and the judgmental arrogance that's kind of rattling around in our own heart. And we've just simply told people or we've wanted to tell people how wrong they are to be involved in that sin. And what happens is when you have that kind of attitude, you've burned bridges, not just between you and that person, but possibly between that person and God because of your attitude and your behavior and the way you said things. So you, if this is you, if you have spoken truth without love, you need to go apologize for the self-righteous manner in which you communicated your beliefs. So don't ever forget this. You might want to write it down. 
Truth without love is sin. Truth without love is sin. So the first thing you need to do is if you've spoken truth without love, apologize. So that's the first challenge. The second challenge is some of you, you need to reach out and build a relationship. And here's what we mean by that. You know someone who's engaged in a behavior that is just unhealthy. It's going to lead to a train wreck in their life. And you're watching them make choices that are going to have some really painful consequences. And you know they're living out of line of God's design, but you have not earned the right to influence them because you have refused to build a relationship with them because of what they've been doing. Maybe you don't want to deal with all the drama and the mess, but Jesus walked into your mess. He, he, he didn't pull back. He didn't lean back. What he did is he leaned in, and you need to do the same. You need to reach out and build a relationship where you can demonstrate compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and earn the right to speak the truth in love. See, Jesus said the distinguishing mark of his disciples were that we would love other people the way that he loved us. So reach out and invite someone you completely disagree with over for dinner or out for coffee and begin to build a relationship. That's what Jesus did. And then finally, there's a group of you who have been wise in how you have acted toward outsiders because maybe you learned this principle early in your life. Here's what I would challenge you to do. You have the relationship, so you need to speak the truth in love. So once you have that relationship and once you are motivated truly by love, it's time for you to have a conversation that is full of grace and truth. A conversation that goes something like this. You know, I love you and you're my friend no matter what you do, but I am really concerned about you because the choices that you're making here, they, they really are outside of God's design for your life. And as long as you're living that way, you are missing out on the life that God created you to live and the, the life that he intended for you to have. So help me understand why you're making this choice so that I can help you if you want to break out of this choice. These, these challenges that we have, um, every one of us, we find ourselves in, in, in the first challenge of we spoke the truth without love, we need to go apologize. Others of us, we need to build the relationship. But I think we will find all of ourselves at one of those three places with different individuals. So maybe we need to apply all of these things. So what do we do from here? What we do from here is we go out and we build relationships. And I understand building relationships that people behave and believe different than us, I know that's incredibly hard. But imagine how many people might experience life change if we simply follow the Apostle Paul's advice. Imagine the change that could happen in our culture if we stopped playing the role of moral police and we started loving people the way that Jesus loves people. Imagine if, if we learned how to present the ideal to people while still embracing the real, where they really are at in their life. So here's my challenge to you. Let's treat all people with the compassion and the kindness and the humility and the gentleness and the patience that God has shown to us. And, and, and let's not walk away from those messy situations that we encounter. In fact, let's lean in. Let's walk in 
And let's love everyone as Jesus has loved us, especially the people with whom we disagree. And here's what I can promise you. God will open the doors. He'll open up opportunities for you to share your experience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to learn of how we can engage a culture that really doesn't look favorably at those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you help us all to begin today as we walk out of the room, we're going to say, I'm going to clothe myself with compassion. I'm going to clothe myself with humility. I'm going to clothe myself with gentleness and kindness and patience. That is going to be the attitude in which I clothe myself. And God, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, because we need your Holy Spirit's power to help us to do this, that you'll just prompt us and remind us in those moments when we need to show compassion or when we need to have the attitude of humility or when we need to show patience. God, that we'll do that and we'll hear you say it and remind us of this and then we'll do it because that's what love requires of us in this season. And God, I just pray that you'll help us to do this out of hearts that are broken for our world because it's the only way we're gonna have any impact. So break our hearts in order to reach this world with love. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for going out and sharing your experience this week as you clothe yourself with all these attributes of love. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.